Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Last week on Now and Forever. All of Joy's plans have come to ruin. After being betrayed by Olivia and confronted by Dr. Victor Victor, Joy finds herself in need of a new job, new friends, and a new direction in life. Will she ever recover? How will she manage her sudden transition? Find out in today's episode of Now and Forever. Hello? Anybody here? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm just cleaning up a spill. I'll just, uh, I'll be with you in a second. Great, thanks. Hello. I am Joy, your first barista. Can I take your order, please? You again? Is there anybody else here that can help me? Oh, hello again, Miss Jamie. No, there... There is no one else here that can help you, but I assure you as your first barista that I can help you select and customize a handcrafted coffee beverage just for your taste buds. May I suggest trying a seasonal coffee? Uh, well, I guess I'd like to try a... Uh... Joy. Diago, what are you doing here? I've been searching for you everywhere. I heard that I could find you here, but it was too difficult for me to believe that you went from whitening people's teeth to staining them. Look, if you just came here to make me feel like a failure again, I don't want to hear it. So why don't you just go back to Victor Victor and Olivia's dental kingdom and let's just pretend like we never met. But I can't and I won't pretend, Joy Stephanopoulos. One moment. Uh, I would just like to order. Can I have a caramel? I can't go on knowing you're here and pretending like you don't matter to me. But I don't matter to you, Diago. That's not true. I've been completely lost without you. Why? Because you don't have anyone to put down at the office? Because if you actually started making fun of Olivia, Victor would have you fired in one second. You just don't get it. I've been searching for you everywhere to tell you that I love you and I need you in my life. What? Yes, that's right. I love you and I want the entire world to know. Joy, come with me. We can run away together. We can start an entirely new chapter in our lives. We can open up our own dental practice where you can be my first hygienist and my first wife. And we can do this now and forever. What do you say? Can I please just get my coffee? What a shocking revelation. Does Joy love Diago back? Will they live happily ever after, or is the weight of their past too much to bear? What kind of coffee does Jamie want, and will she ever get it? Find out. Well, never. This is the last week of our series. So sorry, but that's how life is, both now and forever. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 2, the final installment of now and forever. I want to talk to you about transitions, transitions. Everybody say transition. 
change. So many things have changed over the last five weeks as we saw this drama unfold and so many moving parts. How many of you have discovered that when it comes to life, now is not forever? Can I have a better amen? How many of you, when you came into church today, you were a little confused because the configuration on the floor was kind of messed up a little bit? Yeah, some, how many of you know change is a good thing? Sometimes change throws us into confusion. But change breathes life into us. And we're going to talk about this final episode in David's life. I, I love, though, though we've laughed and we've had a great time and we've kind of connected with some creativity. And I think it's brought something fresh into the church. We've been looking at a timeless story, the, the life of David, and studying the different episodes and the seasons that he's walked through. And, and here we're in this final moment of, of David's life in 1 Kings chapter 2. You know, I, I love change because change brings promise of something better. There's something about change that tells us, hey, what's next is going to be even better than what was. Can I have a good amen? How many of you can look back at your life and you see different seasons, different installments, different episodes, and maybe you didn't understand it at the time, but reflecting and looking back, you can see, oh, so that's what God was doing. Also, that experience created this, this character that I was going to need for what I'm stepping into. And it's amazing how you can look back at your development and see the different seasons. I begin to think about different seasons in my life. How many of you adults, you remember your school days? I remember going, going all the way back to elementary school. How many of you can still remember your first grade teacher? Isn't that amazing? I love elementary school. Absolutely love it. You had cafeteria, man. You had lunchtime. You had snack time. How many think snacks is a good idea? And you had nap time. Come on, holler at me. Hello, nap time. Yes, indeed. P.E. Are you kidding me? I dominated. <laughs> Loved it. Excelled in P.E. And then we kind of graduated and moved into middle school. How many of you had some rough years in middle school? Oh, that can be challenging body going through all kinds of changes. Sometimes kids aren't the nicest in the fifth, sixth, and seventh grades. Come on, can I have a good amen? It's rough. My middle school was rough. But then high school, whoo, I met my wife in high school. That girl, she was flirting with me in civics class. Come on, somebody. She wasn't interested in state government of Louisiana. Tell you that much. You know, you transition in school. Sometimes you transition in relationships. You know, uh, think about some of the closest people in your life, people that you know and love. Some of you remember the first time you met them. You know, may maybe you, you, husbands and wives, you remember the first time that you laid eyes on your spouse. How many of you can remember that day? Oh, happy day. Oh, unforgettable. I remember when Rachel and I, we first started talking. She went to a church uh, in the north side of Baton Rouge, and, um, and I went to check her church out, not because I liked the pastor, but because I was interested in Rachel. And uh, the pastor would say, why don't you take the hand of that person sitting next to you? How many know that was a good moment for me? <laughs> and then Rachel, and we, we said her parents made us sit in front of them so they could keep an eye on us. But what they didn't know is there were times when Rachel, she would cross her leg during service, and she would tuck her foot behind my calf muscle. Woo, I heard the heavenly choir singing. <laughs> oh, hallelujah chorus. You know, and then you see so you get married, and then now sometimes we're in church, and she'd be kind of snuggled up against so I'm like, babe, I need my space. I mean, come on. You know, but you understand relationships and the dynamics that, that those bring and those change. How many of you know that even your body is going through change? 
Somebody say, oh, me. Yes, indeed. I went to the doctor a couple weeks ago and found out that my body composition is undergoing a little change. They tell me that I'm losing muscle mass and gaining body fat. Somebody say old age. Somebody told me the other day there's four different stages as it relates to your body. There's one stage where you believe in Santa Claus. There's another stage where you don't believe in Santa Claus. There's a stage where you are Santa Claus. And there's a stage where you look like Santa Claus. All these transitions, we, 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 we change in jobs. How many members the first job you ever had? I washed pots and pans. Come on, the first job I ever had was in the kitchen washing pots and pans. It lasted two weeks. And, you know, you change through finances and then maybe hopes and dreams and goals and desires. And you begin to see God connecting the dots through different chapters and seasons in your life. I want you to know this, that life is a series of entering and leaving. You, you, you leave one season and you enter a next. You, you, you finish one chapter and you start another. And how you leave one chapter is an indication of how you enter the next chapter. Can I have a good amen? And I want to talk to you about transitions because sometimes they're very unsettling. You know, transition is going from here to there. And the only way to get from where you are to where God wants you to be is by taking a step. One step at a time. Come on, are you with me? Come on now, you're up close and personal. I got to hear from you today. Talk to me. Can I have an amen from this section right here? To get from where you are to where God wants you to be, you're going to have to step. But now watch this. The most unstable, insecure moment in your journey is when you lift up your foot because now your weight is just on one leg. That's the most vulnerable, susceptible transition in our journey. But how many of you know some people just feel comfortable staying right where they are? And if you just stay anchored right where you are, you'll never transition to where God wants you to be. As we've talked about the life of David, we've seen the different episodes in his journey. We saw him as a young shepherd boy tending his father's sheep. We talked about the value of preparation. And when nobody was watching, God was developing this shepherd boy. It's amazing how God can use shepherd boys and turn them into kings. We saw him in the sheep field, and then we studied his life in the battlefield. We talked about David and Goliath and and how he faced his giant and what God did in him and through him, but it wasn't just for him. David's victory over Goliath brought victory to the entire nation of Israel. He went from the sheep field to the battlefield, and then we saw David as king over a nation. We talked about how to handle success. When God puts favor on your life, what do you do with that favor? Remember, we talked about humility. We talked about integrity. We talked about generosity and how David blessed Mephibosheth and made room at his table. If you were here last week, we saw one of that low moments, one of the the, the epic failures of David's journey, famous to all of us, the whole David and Bathsheba. And we talked about what you do when you mess up, how you handle failure and mistake. But here, this is the last, kind of the the final picture of David's life in 1 Kings chapter 2. And he's talking to his son Solomon. And David's final words, how many of you know that a man's final words are significant? Of all the things that David could have said, this is what he 
did say. And in these four short verses, I think God gives us four significant things as it relates to how to handle change and transition. Look with me, if you will, 1 Kings chapter 2, starting with verse 1. The Bible says this, as the time of King David's death approached, he gave this charge to his son Solomon. It's almost like, okay, son, there's a lot that I could say, but here's what I commission you. Here is the charge that I leave you with. Verse 2, he says, Solomon, I'm going where everyone on earth must go one day. Take courage and be a man. Take courage and be a man. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to notice, what David does here, and this is a great picture for those of us that are navigating change, so many different moving parts. If we're going to transition well, here's what we need to do. Number one, focus on potential, not problems. Somebody say potential. Focus on potential, not problems. David is speaking to Solomon's potential. He says, son, I've been king. I've been leader of this nation for a long time. Now, notice what David didn't say. David didn't say this. Oh, it's going to be awful. Son, there are so many problems. People are mean and rude and ornery, and you just can't trust anybody. Notice David didn't say that. He said, son, it's going to be tough. But but listen, what's inside of you is tougher. Son, I want you to know that what what it's going to require of you is courage. Boy, take courage and be a man. I love it because as pastors, as parents, as leaders, you and I have the God-given privilege of speaking to individuals' potential. You know what? Potential says this, I believe in you. Four of the most powerful words in the English language I believe in you. You know what David's doing here? David is encouraging his son. I think as we leave one chapter and we start another, as we take a step forward, you know what we can do that helps us and helps those around us? Encourage people. How many of you need encouragement? You know what encouragement is? Listen, to encourage literally means, here's the definition to encourage. It means to put courage into Think about it. You're depositing something in somebody's life. Now, notice in this world, there are four kinds of people. Those who add, those who subtract, those who multiply, and those who divide. Do you know what? When we encourage others, we can add and multiply strength inside of someone. Come on. Are you with me this morning? But too many times there are people in this world that love to subtract and divide. If encourage means to put courage in, guess what discourage means? To pull courage out. How many of you, you need people in your life who are going to help deposit the goodness of God and strengthen and speak to the call of God on your life? Come on, help me this morning. Your pastor needs a little encouragement right now. Hey, you know the power of spoken belief? That sounded self-serving. I'm sorry. I didn't do that for that. I I didn't. But it's amazing how your children behave when you see them doing something right and you affirm that in them. Watch their lives just blossom. Watch them grow in strength and power and purpose. When you encourage a kid, a life with encouragement is powerful. A life without encouragement is miserable. Come on, somebody. David says, Solomon, 
I'm, I'm getting ready to die. I'm going by way of the grave. This is the place where all of us are going to have to go. We're going to pass through this transition. But what I'm leaving to you, let me encourage you with this. Take courage and be a man. You know, I just happened to grow up in a home where my parents were so affirming. I'm telling you, every day of my life, I heard my mom and dad say, I love you. I believe in you. You're awesome. Man, God's given you an ability. There's something amazing that God's placed in you. And do you know what? I was just naive enough to believe that everything they said was true. I kind of walked around. Not that I was arrogant. I hope I wasn't arrogant. But I had confidence inside of me as a young boy because I heard it over and over and over again. And now as a father, guess what my number one uh, priority is in my kids? I want to put some strength inside of them. I want my my daughters, uh, Alexa and Michaela. Listen, you girls are beautiful inside out. Don't you measure your self-worth by what you hear. You listen to your father's words. Let me tell you, I see something in you and I'm speaking to your potential. I'm calling out the God-given destiny inside of you. I'm telling you what, when you awaken that within your kids, come on now, watch their life go to a whole nother level. How many of you, you would love to have that deposit of encouragement in your daily experience? Well, let me tell you this. If you want it in your life, plant it in someone else's. This is the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever it is that I need, I'm going to give it away. Whatever it is that I want to grow in me, I'm going to plant it in you. Come on now. Uh, And and there's a biblical principle here. David learned to encourage himself in the Lord. And now he's in his final moments and he's telling his son, son, I believe in you. Son, it may be tough, but what God's placed in you is even tougher. Tell you this, being critical will never motivate anybody to change. You'll never criticize anybody into getting better. Now, that doesn't mean you just got to fluff somebody and just, oh, I'm just going to blow sunshine up in your face. And man, you're just amazing. You know what encouragement says, even when somebody messes up, hey, listen, you're better than that. I know how God wired you and created you. Man, there's, God wants so much more. That's encouragement that pulls people up. Criticism will, 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 will pull people down. And we live in a world that's got so much negativity and so much discouragement. And I feel like for us as the, as the body of Christ, when we come into this house, you know what God wants to place inside of you? He wants to place courage and strength inside of you. He knows how he wired you and created you. You know what my job as your pastor is? To encourage you to be like Jesus. That's why you're not going to hear me talking down to people. I'm not going to browbeat anybody. I'm not going to criticize what other people are doing. You know why? There's so many amazing things that are happening in the body of Christ. And I'm not going to mudsling. I'm not going to demean anyone. I just don't have any time for that. Come on, can I have a better amen? I just think you read the word of God and you get a picture for what your life can be, for what Jesus did for you. And all of a sudden now you feel, man, strength is coming to me. God, I just, I just sense my destiny, my purpose. David so desperately wanted Solomon to step into his God-given purpose that he spoke to potential. He didn't speak to problems. Let me tell you, if you're a king running a kingdom, there's a lot of problems you got to deal with. But notice, he didn't identify any problems. You know, the more you think about your problems, the bigger your problems grow. Now, I'm not saying deny that your problems exist. 
But if you spend more time thinking, dwelling, meditating, and speaking to your problems, it's amazing how a little thing, it just seems to enlarge in size and significance. That's why we teach our kids to be thankful. Oh, they can complain over one thing. Ah, I didn't get what I want. Wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Let me tell you how blessed you are. And you bring your kids through that blessing inventory that they don't appreciate. Come on, somebody. What are you trying to remind them? Wait, there's a lot of good things that are happening here. And if you'll dwell on the good, if you'll speak toward what God is doing, it's amazing how all that negativity and all the problems, they seem to be put into perspective. David told his son, take courage and be a man. Look at what it says in verse 3. He says, Solomon, observe the requirements of the Lord your God. Follow all of his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws that are written in the law of Moses. Why? Why do I want you to follow? Why do I want you to obey? Why do I want you to keep these commands so that you'll be successful in all you do and wherever you go? Here's the second thing, number two. Not only do we focus on potential instead of problems, number two, David's saying, hey, be faithful and not fickle. Be faithful. Follow what God has written in his word for you. Faithfulness. He said, the law of Moses, the commands, the regulations, everything that God spoke. Solomon, be faithful to the word of God. How many of you are thankful for this book right here? Oh, I love this book. My highest commitment is to God's word. It is. There's no other law in the land that can compare to the commands that God's given us in Scripture. And I feel like as as a country, as a nation, God's calling us back to his precepts, his commands. You know, the formula is simple. Now, I'm not saying that that we do this easily, but it's simple. How many of you have discovered that when you obey God's word, your life is blessed? Have you discovered that? When you obey God's word, your life is blessed. How many of you know when you neglect God's word, your life is a mess? Question, do you want to be blessed or do you want a mess? Listen, be faithful to the commands. Why? David so desperately wanted his son to be successful. Boy, I want even better for you than what God gave to me. And the only way you'll know that is by obeying what God's written and the commands that he's given us. You know what fickle means? Fickle means to be up and down. Fickle means unpredictable. Fickle means sometimes you're, you're in, sometimes you're out. You know what fickle is all connected to? Feelings. Feelings. David's saying, son, don't just listen to your feelings. Stay anchored in your faith. Can I have a better amen? How many of you know your feelings will lie to you? How many of you, if you were to live every day by how you felt, how many of you some days you wouldn't even get out of bed? Come on. Question. If you live by your feelings, how many of you would not be here in church today? Holla. I'm raising my hand on that one. <gasps> Pastor, you didn't feel like coming to church today? I thought you were God's man of the hour. His tower of power. Too sweet to be sour. Listen, 
Can I tell you how I felt? When my alarm clock went off today, my body was talking to me. And my feelings said, this bed is so comfortable. That pillow's nice and warm. Oh, I just want to stay right there. Can I tell you, feelings, they help locate where you are. There's nothing wrong with feelings. Feelings locate where you are, but faith locates where God is. That's why it's important for us to recognize our feelings, but to be anchored in our faith. Can I have a better amen? You see, faith is where the favor of God is. And if we walk in his commands, if we obey his words, if we keep his decrees, the scripture says there's a blessing. I'll tell you, when when you obey God, here's something beautiful. I want you to catch this. When you obey God's word, it takes the pressure off of you to determine what your life is supposed to be. All the outcomes, when we obey God, we're saying, Lord, the results of my life now are on your shoulders. What do you want my life to look like? I'm telling you what, this will set you free if you get a revelation. Obedience is not a bad thing. The commands of God are to set you free, and it allows God to do what he can do. For instance, let me give you this example. The tithe. Okay, this is not a message about money, but it works in every area of your life. How many of you know when you obey God as it relates to your money, then what's in your bank account is his responsibility? We say, Mike, don't work hard. No, he's giving you strength. You better use the ability he's given you. But if you'll put God first and obey him in the tithe, then you don't have to worry what's going to happen at the end of the month. Because you're saying, Lord, the results, the outcome, the balance in my checkbook, it's on you. And when you put God first, then you can stand on his promises. I think this is beautiful. The the beauty of obedience is this. Lord, it's not my name that's at stake. It's yours. God, it's not on me to make this church grow. It's on me to obey you and to please you. And then the results of that, you'll grow what's in the house. That's why I don't feel any pressure as a pastor to compare myself to anybody else. There's no other church. There's no other pastor. I don't have to preach like somebody else. Our church doesn't have to be modeled like another church. If we'll obey God and be who he's called us to be, then guess what? The results of Healing Place Church, they're on God's shoulders, not mine. Live free. You know, several weeks ago, one of the men uh, from Gleaning for the World, uh, Reverend Ron Davidson, was with us several weeks ago. And we talked about the different organizations that have partnered with us to help bring relief to flood victims. And he was telling us a story because Gleaning for the World is an amazing organization based out of Virginia. Many of you know Jonathan Falwell and Thomas Road Baptist Church, and so it's in connection with them. They do work in some of the Middle Eastern countries, some of these war-torn countries that have been ravaged by ISIS and Islamic extremists. And what they do is they go in and they bring uh, bottles of water, they bring food, non-perishable items, and they bring Bibles. And they set up these relief centers so people that have had to evacuate their homes and villages 
running for their lives have a place of refuge. And so he was telling us that, uh, that uh, you know, hundreds of people, you know, fleeing their homes and find themselves at, at, at these refugee places where they're able to receive ministry. And so they're giving out Bibles, and it just so happened that these particular Bibles had the, a picture of Jesus on the front cover. And so, and so this lady comes up. She, she receives some, some uh, bottles of water and, and food for her family, and then they give her a Bible, and she looks at it, and she says, oh, who is this man? Who, who is this man? I've seen this man. She said, when we were escaping our village under the, the attacks of ISIS, we grabbed our kids and what little belongings we had. We did not know where to go. We're simply going down roads, and this man showed up, and he... Complete stranger. He just kept showing up saying, hey, go down here three miles. Okay, now take a right over here. And we, we, nobody's ever met him. Nobody's ever talked to him. But he kept showing up in our journey. Who is this man on this book? And they said, that man is Jesus. How many of you know that when you follow the book, you get a revelation of Jesus? And Jesus knows exactly the path that your life is supposed to take. David said, Solomon, keep the commands of this book, and then your life won't be a mess, but you'll end up in a place that's called blessed. Are you with me this morning? Somebody say potential, not problems. Say faithful, not fickle. Now look at what it says, verse 4. David said, Solomon, if you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise that he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all of their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Here's the third thing. As we talk about change and transition, how to move from here to there, number three, leave better, not bitter. Leave better, not bitter. Bitter. In fact, let me break this down into two facets. When I transition into a new season, I want to hand off what was given to me in better condition than how I found it. Not only do I want to leave it better, but I want to leave better. Are you with me? Sometimes transition, I'm telling you, when you learn how to navigate transitions well, they will bless your life. Doesn't have to be full of fear and full of problems and challenges. But when you embrace what God is doing in you, you make a commitment. Lord, I want this better than how I found it. And Lord, as I'm stepping into what's new, may I be better than when I first started. How many of you, when you were younger, your parents taught you, if you were to borrow something, you always give it back in better condition than how you got it? Oh, yes, indeed. Yes. How many know not everybody was taught like that? How many of you have some neighbors that come knock on your door wanting to borrow something and you're like, oh, because you're wondering, will I ever see it again? Or if they give it back, will it be broke like no joke? Come on, talk to me. Man, man, that rake, man, he's borrowed three rakes. I've had to go to Home Depot and borrow and buy three rakes because I just, I, I, I won't get it back. You know, one of the things I love about my father-in-law, and I see him sitting here this morning, he is one of those guys that whatever you give him, it's going to come back to you better. He'll call me and be like, son, can I borrow your car? I'm like, well, sure. I drive a little Honda. You know, it, it's just, that's my baby. I've been driving that Honda for almost nine years. Love it. I talk to it. Kids are like, daddy, this thing's falling apart. I'm like, shh, don't say that. She's listening. 
Daddy, who's listening? No, 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 the Honda's listening. Oh, baby, they didn't mean that. They didn't mean that. They didn't mean my, my father-in-law borrowed my car, and then he gives it back to me, and guess what? Tank is always full of gas. Hey, son, listen, I noticed that you were due for an oil change. I changed the oil in your car. Hey, and I noticed that inspection sticker was past due. I got you all set for another 12 months. Come on, somebody. Oh, and that little clicking noise, that little click, 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 it's gone. I noticed that little, you know, that little light on your dashboard. I took care of that too. And your tires, you know, I rotated those tires. You needed a couple new tires on the front, so I got you taken care of. I'm like, hello? I said, Papa, some days I'll just randomly call him up. Papa, do you need to borrow my car for any reason? I just feel like the Lord was leading me to just... Why? Because I know it's coming back to me better than the way it left me. Come on, now catch this. David is saying this, Solomon, I have stepped into some things that were difficult, but what I'm handing off to you is better than what came to me. Tell you this, you can't always determine what faces you, but you can determine what follows you. David, this same author, penned the words out of the 23rd Psalm. He said, surely goodness and mercy will what? Follow me. Now listen, not everything that David stepped into was fun. Not, David, not everything that David stepped into was easy. But let me tell you, what he handed off to Solomon was so much better than what came to him. And I would say, as we transition, let's make a commitment to hand things off in better condition. Consider this. David faced Goliath so Solomon wouldn't have to. David subdued all the enemies of Israel so that Solomon could live in peace. David never built the temple, but he sacrificed for it, and he used his own money to help finance it so Solomon could build a temple for the glory of God. Can I tell you, every transition in God gets better. Every transition in God. Now listen, I didn't say it gets easy. But every, consider this, Moses to Joshua. How many of you know that was a big transition in the Bible? As good as it was with Moses, Moses led him out of slavery. But guess what? It got even better because Joshua led him into the promised land. The transition from Elijah to Elisha. The Bible says Elijah was a man of God. In fact, they refer to him as the man of God. As good as it was with Elijah, how many of you know that Elisha had that double portion In fact, you read the the account, Elijah performed biblically 14 miracles. Elisha performed 28, exactly twice as much. It got better. When John the Baptist was preaching, consider this. John the Baptist is preaching the the gospel of repentance, and people are coming to, to, to know the kingdom, and they're getting baptized. As good as it was with John the Baptist, how many know it got even better with Jesus? Here comes Jesus now. And John says, oh, y'all. He was Southern. Hey, y'all. And listen, you know, y'all is singular, but all y'all is plural, right? (laughs) Hey, all y'all, it's not me that you're looking for. No, no, follow him. Why? Because it's better. It's better with him. And then listen, listen, oh, check this out. And Jesus told his disciples, as good as it is with me now, I've got to leave this place. No, Jesus, don't leave us. How in the, what in the world are we going to do without you? Jesus said, it's better for you that I go. 
Because when I go, I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send you the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to use you to turn this world upside down. Hey, God with you is good, but God in you is even better. Can I have a good amen? It's better. And I don't want to just leave it better. I want to be better. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to go through a season and get down and get all discouraged and then get mean. Come on, somebody. How many know there's some people that go to church and they mean? How many's ever met a mean Christian? Oh, there's nothing worse than an ornery, angry, bitter Christian. Oh, Lord have mercy. I pray that the older I get in God, the sweeter life becomes to me. I'm just making a decision. And, and you know, let me take a moment and say this, and I don't want to meddle, but I feel like I need to put this out here. How many of you have been serving God for at least 10 years? Let me see your hands. Been walking with God for a decade. That's awesome. How many of you have been walking with God for two decades? 20 years you've been serving the Lord. My goodness. That's fantastic. How many of you have been serving God for 30 years or more? Let me see your hands. Wow. Can we clap our hands for these that have been faithful for three decades? I'm 42 years old. I gave my life to Christ when I was six. I don't know. What's the, what's the math? 36, okay. 36 years old, I've been walking with God for a long time. That doesn't make me a, uh, anything special. It means I've got a little history with the Lord. But here's what I've determined. That the longer I walk with God, the more willing I should be to sacrifice for others. Now, 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 now let, let me, I know we're getting quiet up in here, but let me explain how this works even in church life. Because all of us have preference. There's certain songs that we like to sing. And let me tell you, nobody loves the old stuff more than me. I love it. I sing the hymns. Man, I cut my teeth on the old school stuff. And I absolutely love it. My dad was the choir director and worship leader at our small country church in southeast Missouri. And now when I hang out with Brother Rents and Miss Esther on their Friday nights, and they'll pass out these song sheets because they're singing the old stuff, I don't need a song sheet. I know the words to that stuff. Love it. Nobody loves the old stuff more than me. But can I tell you, as those of us who are older in Christ, we should be more willing to sacrifice preference and style for those that are not yet here or even for those that are young in the Lord. We do this as parents. I've never met a grandparent in my life who loves to get down in the floor. Because you don't know how long you're going to spend down there. You're going to need help getting back up. But what is it that motivates Pawpaw or, 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 or Meemaw to get down in the floor? Oh, those grandkids. We're going to sacrifice for those kids. Listen, it's not about me. Man, my faith in God is set and secure. I don't care what song we sing. We can sing Amazing Grace or we can jump around and sing a little hallelujah. I don't care what it is. Man, I, I'll make whatever sacrifice necessary so that that younger generation can get grafted into God. Because let me tell you, they're going to have to make their sacrifices one day too. When you're a part of a family, you're okay to sacrifice for other parts of the family. I'm not saying the younger generation is more important than the older generation. So don't get nervous on me. 
I, I love the ideas, the energy, the creativity of the younger generation. That's why we may set up stage a little different on a Sunday from time to time. That's why we may create, do a little video drama or whatever. And may, hey, let's try a few things. Keep it fresh. Bring life into it. It's not going to mess up my salvation. Bless God, my faith is in the Lord. And I'm anchored in, but because I'm older in the Lord, I'm willing to make the sacrifices for those that are new to this thing called church. Or, man, whoa, what is that about? Man, whoa, I don't, man, praise God. Whatever it takes to connect younger or those that are not yet here to get them into the house, bless God, let's do it. Now, keep in mind, we're not going to do anything immoral, unethical, illegal. Come on, somebody. It's all going to stay biblical, but when it comes to preference, how many of you know we'll sacrifice personal preference? You know, when we, we take our kids out for their birthday. Michaela had a birthday a couple weeks ago. Where do you want to go? I want to go to California Pizza Kitchen. CPK, CPK. Oh, that's great. Pizza. Here we go. Let's get some pizza. Not necessarily my choice. Man, if it's my birthday, we're going to Fleming's. Come on, talk to me. We're going to Roost Chris, baby. We're throwing down on a steak. But wait, it's not my birthday. I'm going to defer. She's younger. We're celebrating her. This is her deal. I'm not going to boycott California Pizza Kitchen. Come on, somebody. But hey, bless God, we'll make sacrifice and we'll honor you. Guess what? Because that's what we do as parents. But my birthday's coming. As a family, you give preference and you make room. That's what David did for Solomon. And listen, so what he handed off to Solomon was even better than what was given to him. Does that make sense? Let me read this final verse. I want to ask the band to come up. I love this scripture, Psalm 84. Look at what it says, the Amplified Bible. This is the women's version because it has more words in it, okay? I'm just saying. (laughs) Some of you fellas wanted to say amen, but you were scared. It's all right. Psalm 84, 5, Amplified. Blessed and greatly favored is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Now look at this. Passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with blessings. Verse 7, they go from what? Strength to? They go from what? Strength to strength. The scripture says increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. Here's what he's telling us. He's telling us in God, we go from strength to strength. As good as it was then, it's going to be even better now. As amazing as that was, listen, in God, it only gets better. From strength to strength, from glory to glory. My prayer is that as you and I walk through seasons and transitions, we're not bitter. We're getting better. Maybe we stepped into this thing with weakness, but we're leaving this thing with strength because the Bible says we go from strength to strength, ever increasing in victorious power. Can I have a good amen? Come on, somebody say potential, not problems. Say faithful, not fickle. Say better, not bitter. Now, let me, let me give this final thought, and then I want to pray over us. Oh, I just sense the Spirit of God here. What a great way to end a series. What a great way. The life of David just speaks so much. I'm just, my only regret is we could only take five weeks to talk about his life. But let me finish by telling you this. And this perhaps could be one of the most important things. 
when it comes to transitions and seasons and chapters, check this out. Find your identity in your Savior, not your season. Who you are and what you do are two totally separate things. Don't feel like that just because you're in a difficult season that you're less of a person. Your identity is in your Savior. I'm going to tell you something about your season. It's going to change. Your season will change, but your Savior remains the same. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. We serve the Lord, and he changes not. Can I have a good amen? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.